0: I wanted to preempt what I'm going to say, to tell you that every week you come here and you see people uh, parade up here and give their story, lest you think that everybody that does this has a perfect marriage and has it all worked out, we're one example that uh, doesn't fit that mold. Uh, I can tell you that the last 24 hours, uh, Satan has really hit us hard, and we've really struggled. In fact, this afternoon, we even were looking for the parachute. Uh, so, we're claiming the the, the the verse where in our in our weakness, God is uh, his strength is made perfect. So, this is our story.
1: That's it. That's it. Okay. I am Nancy, and this is Mark. What happened to me when I got to the middle part of my life? I used to call the under the radar or sneak attack when i fell in my uh, about 6 6 years ago but during the last 5 years i've come to realize that that place in my life was really about my not having my foundation firmly planted in a true relationship with christ and a lack of grounding in his word
0: we do we do have a family And they're going to put, uh, there's our little boys. Uh, Susan Cox thought I was giving her pictures of our grandkids, but those are our kids. It's okay. And this is a few years later. (laughs) I was the fourth child in a family of six boys and one sister. My dad was a poor pastor of a small Kansas legalistic church and did upholstery as his tent-making job. I gave my life to Christ at an early age, but assurance of salvation was not part of our theology. My father was detached, and I don't recall one significant emotional connection with him. My dad had been a victim of sexual abuse that crippled him as he struggled with sexual addiction and depression his whole life. At the age of 12, I too was a victim of sexual abuse. The abuse was a very dark period of my life, full of shame, regrets, and pain, and to get away from the abuser at age 16 and without my parents knowing why, I enrolled myself in a private Christian boarding school and left home. Between my feelings of abandonment by my father and effects of the abuse, I believed I needed to make my own way in life, and I really struggle with believing that God cared for me.
1: I grew up in a small family with one brother, two years younger than me. I had good parents, both accomplished at what they did. My dad, a physician, my mom, a stay-at-home mom and community volunteer. We were regular churchgoers, heard about God, sang wonderful music, but I wasn't taught about a personal relationship with Christ. From the outside, we appeared to be the perfect family. However, my dad was passive toward me, and it affected me. My friends saw him differently as their doctor, but I don't remember experience any bonding with him, which I really desired. In the way that young girls do, I began believing I wasn't special and slowly began shutting down my emotions toward him. I was often told I was a good girl by my mom, And I believe she loved me and and was saying that truthfully from her heart, but I struggled with feeling highly managed by her. These factors contributed to issues of low self-esteem, perfectionism, and people-pleasing. At a young age, I began a pattern of escaping my confused emotions by conducting orchestras in our family room. I was a rule follower, however, got good grades and did my part to maintain the family image. I came to Christ in ninth grade after seeing the movie The Cross and the Switchblade, but I had virtually no discipleship beyond that. My abilities in music and and classical piano helped with my sense of significance. Plus, I assumed that if I went to youth group and young life and I said I believed in Jesus... Things would be okay in my life.
0: Having been a graduate of Cal State University in Los Angeles in 1978, I moved to Dallas to attend seminary. Several years later, uh, I started attending a Bible church where I met Nancy, and we started dating.
1: I saw Mark as mature and very capable. This guy was different, I thought, and he was. Unlike most guys I was around, he was more transparent and not a game player. That was refreshing to me. We had interesting creative dates, and things progressed fairly quickly. But we also had conflict early on. I was so unconfident in my thoughts and feelings, and I filtered relational challenges through my entrenched pattern of people-pleasing and avoiding I continually tried to appease Mark and try to convince myself that everything was okay or going to be okay, fantasy thinking. During our year of dating, we broke up twice. I eventually said yes to marrying Mark, though, but I did it in an avoiding way, less than honest. I called him while he was on a business trip. I feel really terrible about how I did that now.
0: Is it when I ask you to marry me? After. after. Okay.
1: We married in 1985 here in Dallas. Leading up to the wedding, I remember times when I'd experienced nerves about our marriage. But I decided to quit worrying and just enjoy the many fun aspects of our wedding weekend. Everything would work out, I thought. Well, having our three sons soon after that and very close together detracted us from our relational issues, and put us both on a track of raising kids. In
0: 1987, I was working for American Airlines Corporation, and over the next three years, I would travel a lot. 1990 was very stressful. I was laid off, involved in a lawsuit, and then I started my own business, which moved us to Houston. Our new business required me to travel a lot. I would often come home from a long, stressful week on the road, and be critical of Nancy's inabilities to manage the home and kids. Often, I was angry, demeaning, and contemptuous towards her.
1: In 1996, Mark sold his business, and we moved to Bartlesville, Oklahoma, to be near family, his family. Even though it was what we both desired, it was challenging for me to move, and I struggled with depression. But my sense of feeling alive suddenly peaked when I met the conductor of the local symphony. I became pianist for the orchestra, which opened up a new wonderful world for me uh, playing excellent music and being around interesting musicians and guest artists. It felt like salve on a wound and became an escape for me as we continued to struggle. I was being appreciated, and I loved the experience while feeling distant and unappreciated by Mark. I tried to be supportive of his need to travel, but experiencing his disapproval and anger hurt me. In order to keep peace, I didn't tell him how this affected me. I also joined our church's worship team, which I enjoyed. However, there were several times when the worship leader asked me to discuss things with him alone. My feelings were all over the map at that time. But I minimized red flags, didn't seek God in it, and eventually crossed the line into an emotional affair. Our conflicts increased when our boys entered adolescence. I tried to hang in there during our conflicts and not flee when it got tough. But I'd eventually give up. Resentment began to build in me. But I chose to brush it aside and enjoy the times when things were good. I began a pattern of thinking, well, things with us might be pretty bad right now, but at least I have whatever on Tuesday night.
0: I like being home with our boys, sports activities, boy scouting events. In truth, they were the most important to me. Nancy and I were pulling away from each other. I enjoyed building my new business, and I liked traveling to get away from her. And she didn't seem to care I was gone. I loved being in a nice hotel, ordering room service, and and watching Monday night football. She rarely called me to ask how I was doing, and when I'd call her, she didn't seem to care. Music seemed to be Nancy's first love. Her connection with the boys and me suffered. Feeling in despair, I would go to pornography, stay at the office late, watch a lot of TV, and other avoiding maneuvers. I was unaware of Nancy's emotional affair. But I knew something was wrong. One night, I got out of my bed very troubled and distressed, gazed out at our backyard and said to myself, I give up on this marriage.
1: In 2006, I was worship leader for a recovery ministry in our church. Um, Interactions with Mark were still challenging, and I denied the reality of what I was feeling inside. I was craving relief and thought I was getting it in healthy ways by pouring into people and our community and yet loving Mark as best as I could. But my heart was seeking escape routes that led to darkness, emptiness, and despair. In the fall of 2007, while Mark was on a trip to China, I ignored the danger zones that I'd put myself in thinking I was invincible to certain sins. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Because of my struggle with or unwillingness to say no, I crossed another line and had an affair. The guilt was overwhelming. It felt like I was two people almost an out-of-body experience. I didn't tell Mark, thinking I could handle it on my own.
0: In January of 2008, on the last day of our vacation in Jamaica, I found out about the adultery. There's no way to describe the hurt and despair I felt. As we departed Montego Bay, I remember begging God to please let the plane crash into the ocean. When we got back home, I asked Nancy to move out At night, I would drink wine and watch pornography in an effort to numb my pain. I wanted to die. I was powerless over my anger and hurt, and I recognized that only God could help me restore me to sanity. And I made a decision to turn my life over to God. I finally picked up my Bible and started reading it in earnest for the first time in my life. I began crying out to God in tearful prayer. I was so angry, and I wish she would go ki- I wish Nancy would just go kill herself and make us both happy. I sought, our fr- I sought out friends, some were helpful, some were hurtful. I agreed to meet with her and our pastor, where she asked me to forgive her. I didn't want anything to do with her, but my desire to divorce conflicted with what I believed God wanted me to do. I was in an immense struggle, overwhelmed with hurt and anger.
1: In May, Mark and I were separated, just trying to hang on to life and trying to restore our marriage. Denial can be a pretty thick fog to cut through. But because I'd twice completed a 12-step study, half completed a 12-step study, I had some awareness of where I needed to look inside of myself. However, struggling with my many emotions, I connected with my affair partner again, and I relapsed in my recovery. Even with all my guilt that I was feeling, my ability to deny the realities within my sin had kicked in. Though I thought I'd really hit bottom this time, I thought that being honest with Mark would hurt him even more and ensure a divorce. So I didn't tell him.
0: In July, we moved back in together. A few, le- few weeks later, we were on a cycling trip across Missouri and the Katy Trail. I asked Nancy questions about the affair, unaware of her relapse. Answers were not adding up, and I got suspicious. When I got home, I snooped around on her computer and found evidence of her relapse. I confronted her, and she confessed. Again, I was betrayed and hurt, and we separated again.
1: While separated, I was unfaithful again with another person. Now I was at my very low, lowest and loneliest place in my life. What was I doing? How long was I going to continue this insanity? I was at my apartment, absolutely not knowing which way to look or turn, when suddenly it became personal between me and God. I felt him there with me, absolutely. And I fell to the floor in grief and humbleness, calling on him. I was finally seeing myself in reality and the pain I'd caused my family. I got up and visualized a circle on the floor. I tearfully, desperately stepped into the imagined circle with both feet. I called it the honest circle. I asked God to be with me right then and there, within that honest circle with him. And uh, I committed from that point to live within that honest circle with him and to pay attention to when I may be headed toward living in denial or outside of reality. Though nothing in our marriage had been restored, I had a small sense of peace, this was the true beginning of my commitment to do the hard work of rebuilding my life with Christ, my trust with Mark, and getting to know God for the first time. I had a lot of years that the locusts had eaten. However, God's word promises in Proverbs twenty three there is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off.
0: On December 31st, I found out about the latest affair before Nancy came to me and confessed. She wanted to stay married. I wanted out. I was worried about trying again to restore our marriage, only to be hurt again. But I never felt God was giving me permission to divorce, even with what she had done. I was angry with both God and Nancy. I resented the pain. I demanded and Nancy agreed to a post-nuptial agreement. After she signed it, I regretted asking her for it. But after she signed it, I thought, well, I should give the marriage my best efforts, which I tried to do. The next couple of years were very difficult and filled with lots of pain for me. In 2012, I was triggered when Nancy asked me about the idea of of being at a concert where her latest affair partner was going to be. We argued. I became angry. I told Nancy that I was done with the marriage. I loaded up my car, my my Yukon, and headed for Dallas as I wept and cried out to God for help. In Dallas, I did a Google search, and I found this church, a little church called Watermark, and started attending divorce care. Based on one of the principles of divorce care, I think it's Lesson 8, I, wrote, I, had, I was required to write a long email to Nancy seeking forgiveness for my part of the bad marriage. A few weeks later, Nancy asked to meet me. I agreed to meet her, thinking I could talk her into a friendly divorce. She would not talk about it. This placed me in a position to be the the one to end the marriage. Nancy was gentle and said she believed God had better things for our marriage and that she wanted to work out marriage with me. It really touched me. Nancy was different. I was struggling between hardening my heart and forgiving. I had a tiny hope. I I, I just couldn't end the marriage. Later, I offered, and she agreed to come to Dallas to go with me to, to counseling, and later we started here attending a reengage. It was two years ago this month. One night, we heard a testimony from a couple that had multiple infidelities and had been married and divorced from each other three times. I thought if God could heal men, then just maybe it could be possible he could heal us too. We signed up for a closed group. At first, it was very difficult, and there were times I wanted to quit. During painful times, no one in the group criticized us. Instead, we felt love and care, and I struggled immensely with forgiving Nancy and wrestled deeply in my soul with my anger. When painful memories came, I wanted to flee the marriage. It was at this point I realized my struggle was with God and not Nancy. I was angry. If God was a loving God and he loved me and he was sovereign, why did this happen to me? You see, I wanted to be healed, but I wanted healing to be my way. I wanted to remain whole in the life I wanted for myself and not the brokenness and the broken marriage God had given me. It was only when I understood my own sinfulness and saw it for its reality, my holding on to my pride and wanting life my way. And I got a glimpse of the road of sorrow and the pain that Christ joyfully walked for me. Was I able to forgive? And it's a daily thing. I had a lot of anger and unforgiveness, and I had to give it to God. In Matthew six twelve you know the verse Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray. And he said, pray this, and when you forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. I thought, if I did not forgive her, how was I ever going to say the Lord's Prayer again and truly mean it?
1: With one small step at a time, purposing to look toward Christ for each step, I began living in that honest circle for the first time in my life. I finally understood and believed that God was the only one who could cleanse me, restore me, and give me hope. I am so grateful for the wonderful counsel and true friends God had surrounded me with years prior to that because I leaned on them in a huge way when I faced my junk and committed to a new path. I've come to understand that trying to keep peace in our marriage, to have connection at all costs, was not loving Mark well. And my pattern of quitting in relational conflict was actually preventing Mark from learning how to love too. I regret what it took to break me of myself and the things I was blind to within myself. But I'm grateful for how my heart has changed during this process. My sense of identity is in Christ. Becoming broken has caused me to have a true desire to know God and to understand his character. I started reading my Bible because I wanted to. And because of my increased knowledge about God, I have more of a desire to turn toward him for his truth and promises, rather than my own resources. This is not necessarily easier, but it moves me toward life and breath and freedom. I had expended an immense amount of energy trying to do things my way. My newness in Christ doesn't guarantee my life is going to end up being wrapped neatly in a pretty box with a beautiful bow on it. But God's showing me the joy that comes from being willing to suffer and sacrificially love, just as Christ did. I'm seeing that in my personal and marriage struggles, God shows up as my father, comforter, redeemer, and friend. The pain and struggles have caused me to be a different and better woman for God and to do all of my relationships better. Although I don't always do it perfectly, I don't default nearly as much to people-pleasing. I seek out God for strength when relationships are difficult, and my confidence has grown. Recent confirmation that the struggles have been worth it was several months ago, our 27-year-old son said to us, Mom, Dad, thank you so, so much for working so hard on your relationship. All I wanted was for our family to stay together, and I'm so glad we are. If you are a regular uh, reengage engage attender but aren't all in yet, keep coming and simply allow God to show you each week what he wants you to see.
0: Today, thankfully, our marriage is not the same. How could it be? Matthew 16, 20, 16 says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. I got to tell you, it's a daily dying And it's hard, but the reward is great. I'm glad we didn't give up and miss the experience of God's grace in our lives. And I've learned what I did to make infidelity possible. And I've had to deal with my self-sufficient living, my pride and anger, and the ways I hurt intimacy by being big. If you're here tonight and you're thinking you want to quit on your broken marriage, I encourage you not to give up. There's no marriage that is too broken, that God cannot heal. Look at us. With God, all things are possible. We're just one example of two people who did things their own way. They made a mess of things. We aren't totally fixed, and we still struggle. There still is pain, but we let God's mercy and grace guide us in a new way of doing life together. Thanks for letting us share.